It's up on this Sunday, March 14, 2021. In my Growing in the Lord, my secondary uh, reading, primary reading and soul reading is the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've come to respect and understand a lot of uh, A.W. Tozer, a pastor back in the late uh, 1800s who went home to be with the Lord. It was in 1963, but recently I ran across the Bible study book of his called The Rut, The Rote, or Revival, and I just kind of went through chapter one here a little bit, and I'm going to kind of add uh, the chapter there, this is the Christian's greatest enemy, it's based on uh, what the Lord gave him through Deuteronomy chapter one, five through eight, a little context for that, uh, the Lord through Moses was getting ready to bring his people. Well, actually, it was Joshua that brought him in there. Um, getting ready his people to come out of the wilderness and go over into the land. Uh, but the people had uh, become comfortable just in the wilderness, just getting close to God, just getting a knowledge of God, but not growing in the not growing in their spiritual disciplines with him. So, verses 6 and 7 of that says, The Lord our God spoke, or spake, this is, he uses King James back then, spake unto us at Horeb, that was one of the mountains of God, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough to in this mount. Turn you and take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites, and unto, the high, and unto all the places nigh thereunto in the plain, in the hills, and in the valley, and in the south, and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto the, unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river of Euphrates. Remember, when you study scripture out there, the Israelites, the first people of God, were given that land, the land that they're currently on now. Uh, well, it's kind of shared right now by different individuals, but that's still because of their rebellion against God. Um... But verse 7, it says, turn you. That word turn means to stop going the way you were and start going God's ways, to repent. Come forward, repentance right there. Um, when we just do the routine, they just do the 40 years. You know, you spend 40 years in the desert, not going, you know, and then when God says, okay, it's time you go and take up the land. Now you gotta go into it. You get what's psych, human psychologists, second psychologists have two words for it. See, there's the psychology of the usual. You can use it a customary, and the, or and or the psychology of the routine. Both of them are real, actually, because I googled it. Me not being a psychology major, I have no clue, not little clue what they mean, other than what I read. But we all get comfortable in our usual or in our routines. That's good to a point. But it's bad. When churches fall into a routine, that's not a God. That's deadly. And I'm not talking about you preach the gospel every day. Not that we should be doing. But it's when we do the same things, expecting little results. Um, one of the words used for five's routine calls a dictatorship of the routine. It's when the routine becomes Lord in the life of the church. Programs are organized and the prevailing conditions are accepted as normal. 
Anyone can predict next Sunday's service and what will happen next. This seems to be the most deadly threat in the church today. Now, this is talking back in the 60s. It's worse now, people. When we come to the place where everything can be predicted and nobody expects anything unusual from God, we are in a rut. Again, that's one of the words. We need to be very careful with it. We said the God sent us one major shaking in 2020 to get it. And it was for, primarily for his church here in America, was to break us out of the routine of normalcy. If normalcy is even a word. It came up in my apple, but that don't mean the word. <laughs> um... Another interesting line take regarding that is we've reached a place where what has what has been determines what is and what is determines what will be. He gives three progressive stages. One is called the rote, R-O-T-E. Basically, it's a, it's a repetition without feeling. Too many are caught up in a rope, repeating without feeling, without meaning, without wonder, and without any happy surprises or expectations. Many will use such lines as we say, Lord, we are going to have it this way. Now kindly bless our plans. Jesus Christ did not come down to this earth to bless our plans, our benefits, our goals. He came down to show us he is the way, his way, period. The second step, or stage, if you wish to use the huge cause of steps, but um, it's called the rut, R-U-T, which is bondage to the rote. When we are unable, it's when we are unable to see and sense bondage to the rope. We are in a rut. Spiritually speaking, is the rut is bondage to the rope, and the greatest danger lies in our inability to sense or feel this bondage. Are you in bondage to the rope? Then you're in a rut. The third stage is extremely dangerous, and I believe, well, I think I've seen churches like that, or very close to it. It's called dry, it's called rot. Another term is to say an affliction by it is dry rot. Those of us that either owned a home or rented a home, we've seen dry rot. And when you see dry rot, it's dead. Nothing. It's got to be. You need to take out that board and replace it with one that works. You see dry rot in a body. A body's probably got a dry rot. Could be a cancer. Could be death. Whatever. The church is inflicted by dry rot. This is best explained when the psychology of non-expectation. Oops, I forgot to look that one up. Well, look it up. Takes over and spiritual rigidity sets in, which is an inability to visualize anything better, a lack of desire for improvement. Examples of that or things that may be occurring or even being said is people may... you. People within a particular church that's in this level is trying to get people to come and share the rut. They want people to help them celebrate the rut and finally join them in the rut. A very strong example of this um, is it's actually shown in Second Timothy chapter. Okay, I'm messing down. What I do with? It. Yeah. 
chapter 4, I believe. And i got to remember where I wrote it down. Yep. Nope. 2 Timothy 3, 5. Okay. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is not given a chance to work in our services. Nobody is repenting. Nobody is seeking God. Nobody is spending a day in quiet waiting on God with open Bibles seeking to mend his or her ways. Is that you? How much time? Most of us are so busy making money, paying mortgages, rents, high overpriced rents, whatever, paying overpriced cares, when the seller of them is using the world standard to price houses, to price cars, to price rents instead of God's standard. More to come on that one later. Because um, that one's already been put in my spirit. But I'm still listening. When's the last time I once heard a sermon, and I've said it now twice to three different people, but it's still stuck in my mind. You most, especially American prayers today when we go to pray to God we have our last Lord pray for this pray for him pray for her pray for the situation pray for the situation I'm not all that stuff is good and fine and God does desire that like that however that kind of prayer should lead to us then running out of things to prayer and we just don't get up and go to bed or in the morning get up and shower and go to work or go out or whatever we should sit before the Lord saying Lord those prayers are important. You have the answer to them. You know what they're all about and where they're going to lead. However, I want to know you. Our main desire in prayer is not just to read that list back to God. He already knows it. First desire in prayer should be to sit before Him quietly. I can give testimony. I haven't done this in a while, so that's also a testimony of disobedience also. Is when we we get rushed. We don't sit still with an open Bible saying, God, you could take two, three days to reach whatever you want and do with me. When God's quiet, He's usually doing a work in us to prune us. We don't want to get to the pruning. We don't want to get to the cutting out. Well, God, don't remove that. Don't remove that. I've gotten used to it. Guess what? He wants to remove it. Um, that's just one example. For the most part, spiritual rigidity, this is another quote, that cannot bend is too weak to know just how weak it is. So what stage? Are you in any one of these stages? Or are you actually growing in the Lord? Are you in the rote? Have you moved into the rut? If you moved into any if you went to the rut, you may be close to the rut. That means something's gotta be replaced. And take out and put something in. Now you don't put in new doctrine. Doctrine is never, never one of these three. I mean, I'm talking about programs. Where are they leading? Is the enemy having a ball in your church? A couple quotes. What is the church? We've confused it. Church has never been a building and never will be a building. It's an assembly of people, individuals. The meaningless dialogue that was being heard back back then and I believe it's worse now church has no separate existence from the people church is not an entity in itself but rather is composed of individual persons society is people the state government is people not an institution that we're hearing it is now 
It's made up of real people. To improve or change the church must begin with individuals. And I believe it needs to start from the top and work its way down. When people in the church only point to others for improvement and not to themselves, and it may not be with inside. That kind of believe is not saying compare us to others. Now, I'm not comparing my spiritual walk with Brother Brother, Brother Tozer's, but these should be, we should be examples of those that only wanted to hear from God and speak what they hear from Him. And it's, um, when people in, sorry, I started quote, I didn't say it. When people in the church only point to others for improvement and not to the, themselves, it is sure evidence that the church has come to dry rot. It is proof that three sins are involved the sin of self righteousness, sin of judgment, and the sin of complacency, all are extremely dangerous. Gives an example in Matthew 26, 21, and 22. When Jesus said to his disciples, he was talking to only disciples, not not anyone else. He was alone. Matter of fact, I think that was a Passover, I believe. Yeah. One of you shall betray me. Now he knew was, and we know now because we read the book uh, and still read and study it. It was Judas Iscariot. Notice the disciples did not say, "Lord, is it him? Is it him? Is it him?" Remember what they said? Verse 22. Every one of those disciples said, Lord, is, is it I? Yes, self-righteousness. If we feel that we are what we ought to be, then we will remain what we are. We will not look for any change or improvement in our lives. Complacency happens when we have this attitude, Lord, I'm not satisfied with my spiritual condition. No, wait a minute. Complacency is, Lord, I'm satisfied with my spiritual condition. They pray spiritually, spiritually, rarely attending prayer meeting. Very few churches have prayer meetings actually nowadays, but they read the Bibles and expect to go zooming off into the blue yonder and join the Lord in triumph with the victorious saints. Yes, we do want to see the Lord come, but look. That verse in Deuteronomy chapter 1, basically is saying, yeah, God was saying to Israel and he's saying to us today, you have stayed long enough where you are. Break camp and advance into the hill country. Where does the Lord want you to break camp and advance to? When you get out of church, you should be equipped for ministry. We all have a ministry calling. That has been twisted. It does not mean seminary calling. That is the invention of man, not of God. I'm not knocking seminary per se. I'll discuss that one one on one. If we call him, if we call him Lord, how dare we sit any longer in the rut? The Lord has called us to move on and forward. The difference between a church that is that is dry rot and a church that is alive is that if you prick the live church, it will respond. If you prick the other kind, it is dead. If you look at it, it gives an example also of a wooden leg and a regular human leg. You stick a knife in a wooden leg, it's not gonna, the person's not going to feel it. You stick a knife in a real leg, they're going to scream. <laughs> I didn't say that when I just changed it. <laughs> uh, so where are you at? Are you in one of these dangerous conditions? Are you in the rot? Are you in the rut? Are you in the rut? Repentance is the only way to get out of either one of them. I love you.